Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to reconnect with tennis paradise in the California desert. And we've got plenty of big stars and high stakes action on day six of the BNP Paribas Open. We recap a productive weekend for the USA as Tommy Paul leads a group of seven American men into the second week of Indian Wells. But it's an early exit for this U.S. teenager whose future remains extremely bright despite having her birthday spoiled. And we head to Norway to visit with rising star Casper Ruud looking for the ultimate breakthrough in 2022. Let's see in five years who has some slams and who doesn't, but if I have one, I will obviously be extremely happy. (laughs) All those stories and much, much more on this desert edition of Tennis Channel Live. It's another day in tennis paradise. Welcome to TC Live at the BNP Paribas Open. Our one-hour pregame show to get you ready for first ball every morning here in Indian Wells. The second week in the desert equals a more deserted locker room as players try to survive and advance. Our featured matches, including the world number one facing Gael Monfils, former champs Rafa Nadal and Victoria Azarenka, plus three Americans going for upsets as Riley Opelka takes on Denis Shapovalov, Jensen Brooksby battles Stefano Tsitsipas, and Shelby Rogers plays Leila Fernandez. Rof Nadal back on the practice court after his thrilling third set comeback against Seb Korda. Nadal trying to tie Pete Sampras and Roger Federer for the third longest perfect start to a season since 1988. And how about Leila Fernandez? She had to save four match points against Amanda Anasimova a couple nights ago and gets a rematch with Shelby Rogers, who beat her at the last edition of Indian Wells. A couple of American-Canadian battles today. As we welcome you inside Stadium One, if you're on the grounds, wave and say hello. We're right inside those windows there with the Tennis Channel logo. Steve Weissman at the BNP Paribas desk, alongside my Grand Slam champion teammates, former world number six Chanda Rubin, coach to the stars Paul Anico. Morning, guys. We have reached Monday of week two. It is great to be here in the desert. How about this, Chanda? Seven American men. Just two American women remain. Normally, it's the other way around. Mm. You know, I've heard that it takes guys a little bit longer to go. come along, Steve, but they're coming, and it's great to see the they've been playing. The gender battle starts. Here we <laughs> so, mature later. Mature a little later, but that's okay, as long as you get there. And, and they've been playing some fantastic tennis. What do you think, Paul? Oh, it's been great. Look, we've been talking about uh, the American men, and I've got to give Chanda credit. The American women have led the way in in years past. And so now to see them coming into their own, a lot of these young players starting to feel comfortable, and it's great to see a whole crop of them, not just one or two. Yeah, we're going to see them in action today. Guys like Riley Opelka, Jensen Brooksby, can't wait for that, has a great shot against Stefano Tsitsipas. Speaking of maturing, how about Coco Goff turning 18 yesterday? This was our match of the day under the lights against Simona Halep, the Romanian channel, looking to crash that 18th birthday party. Yeah, Halep has been coming back. 
this year, had a nice ending to last year after some injuries. And this match, she really stepped up big, served well. She defended some crucial break points that she faced, was able to take that first set after a tough battle. Goff didn't go away. She had some opportunities, tried to be aggressive. But Halep, with all of the answers, a lot of misses from Goff in some critical moments. She had 33 unforced errors over the course of the match, just 18 winners. And Halep was so clean throughout. This was a fantastic performance from her. Yeah, Simona unbroken for the match, saved all four break points she faced. Coco Golf, though, great experience as we go inside the press I room. I expected it. I mean, night matches here, it's always windy. Um, but, yeah, the wind was definitely swirling a little bit, so I, I think it was a little bit tricky, but for both of us, I think. I thought she played well. I thought I had a lot of chances, you know, a couple break points here and there. But um, overall, I think it was a good match. I mean, she had a great level, and I knew that coming into it, and I think I was making the right decisions, just not executing them. Making the right decisions, just not executing them. As a coach, what do you think, Paul? That's great. I mean, that, that's first and foremost. You want your player to make really good shot selection choices, and I'm a big believer in playing the right way. If you play the right way and you work the right way, then those decisions will dissipate. Because, I mean, those decisions won't matter because that's your style, and the execution gets better and better. And we've talked about the execution uh, for Coco, the forehand a little bit at times, serving better. Uh, look, and we forget just a 18 yesterday. I know we've been talking about her for it seems like 10 years, but she's just 18. She's doing just fine. Yeah, I think that is the big takeaway. She's still young. She's still getting experience uh, in these big matches against players, top players. Halep a little down in the rankings, but she is still a top player in, I think, just about everybody's minds, and she's playing that kind of tennis. So it was a tough test for Coco Golf, especially in these slower conditions. Mm. She's got to go back and do a little bit more work on getting some of those lower forehands, uh, executing on those shots. Halep kind of took advantage a number of times, just slicing it, taking a little pace off. Uh, so I think there's some things that golf can do to work on her game and keep improving, but certainly the upside is there, and you know she's just got to learn from these types of matches and, and keep progressing. To be a teenager in the top 20 and know you can get even but better is a fantastic place to be, Paul. Yeah. I know technically you've got some some advice for that forehand, right? Well, it's just, I mean, Chen and I have been talking about it for a while, and a lot of the analysts and a lot of the tennis fans have as well. Look, her forehand stroke production is one thing. The grip is another thing. You, you need to tweak one or the other. Very difficult, in my opinion, to tweak grips at this stage. Even though she's 18, her level of ex excellence is going to be really difficult to move the grip over. Uh, I know with Taylor Fritz, who has a pretty extreme grip as well, so she's got to work on getting the racket head back faster in that back swing and that C motion, get the racket head back, that will help her create some margin safety acceleration and that will give her a little bit uh, more spin on the ball a little bit more easily. Yeah, and I think just, you know, continuing to work on how she replies in those difficult positions. She's an aggressive player, Golf. She looks to come in, and that is an excellent part of her game that can continue to grow. It gets her a lot of points, uh, but you've got to make those approaches. And, and a number of times, you know, she was a bit off. The ball flew on her. Of course, the wind was a factor that came into play. But, you know, she practices a lot in the wind in Florida. Under match conditions, though, it's a completely different story. And so you just got to kind of work on being a little freer, making some adjustments so that when you're in those match situations, she can get a little more margin on those shots. Speaking of Florida, looking forward to see Coco in Miami at the next tournament. Simona Halep, former champion here, moving on to face Serana Kirstea in the next round. All right, we had Madison Keys in action yesterday as well. All-American battle. 
looking to match her best result at Indian Wells. And Paul, she's been able to dominate this matchup with Allison Risk, winning seven straight. Yeah, she's played well against Allie in the past, and I wondered how Allison Risk would turn around after winning the last 12 of 13 games in the big upset over Muguruza. Tough first set for both of these players. A lot of little subtleties, some power as well off of both players. And for Madison, it was really a nice job controlling her serve and service games. The tiebreak, there wasn't much between it, but Madison's power from the back of the court, I think maybe wore down Allie a little bit, allowed her to free up and get aggressive. And after getting the first set, it was Madison Keys just smashing the ball. When she plays this kind of tennis, it is tough, so hard to defend. Even some drop shots, some slices for variation, but we know it's weight of shot from Madison Keys, and that wreaks havoc at every level on the tour. So a really comprehensive second set for Maddie. Nice job. 13th win of the season for Keys. Gets a qualifier, Harriet Dart next. Thanks, Maddie, for joining us on the desk. By the way, Chanda, she joined us here, and then she played doubles that uh, night. That was tremendous. We were happy to have her up here. <laughs> the British number one, Emma Raducanu, trying to win back-to-back -back matches for the first time since October. She had a battle with Petra Martin. Yeah, this is a good test for Emma Raducanu against a veteran player in Martich who can throw in different spins, who can play at the net. She hung tough, won that first set in a tie break, but in the second, Martich able to hold firm. Raducanu had great points, but... Martich able to turn the tables, and once she kind of survived a couple of scares, she was able to get that second set under her belt, Martich, and really the experience just came through. A few misses from Raducanu at certain moments, but a lot of it had to do with the different spins she was getting from Martich. Was able to break in the third set, Raducanu would serve for the match, but Martich again just showing the experience. She didn't panic. And she just stayed the course. And her ability to play in the midcourt and at the net, that really came to bear throughout this, this match, especially at the end when she was able to close it out just a little easier, Martich. This was a tough test, and it's Martich, the veteran, who comes through. Yeah, those volleys were tight for Petra Martich. First top 20 win in two and a half years. Emirata Kano will move on to Miami. But as we talk about her, Paul, listen, she served for the match at 5-4. As a coach, what are you telling her after this tournament? Well, the same as I tell her after every tournament. You know, as much as she is uh, a media icon because of the tremendous uh, 10 matches in a row in New York and three weeks of uh, immaculate tennis, she's a teenager. You know, there's a lot of growth in her game. She's going to lose a bunch. And, and every time I hear her speak, she gets it. Uh, she understands that. She understands she's a good player. She can be a great player. Uh, but there's a long road ahead of her. And look, when she plays a tough match like this and loses – you know, that's too bad, but again, off to Miami, a lot of tennis, plenty of growth ahead. The biggest thing for her is understanding that the mind will lead the body. She needs to make sure she stays positive, the team around her stays positive, and just stays the course because she knows what she's doing, terrific athlete. You don't win 10 matches in a row at a major, just yeah. lucky. You know, she's a very, very good player. Yeah, she's a major champion, Emma Raducanu, and you see matches like that, and you see why she was able to win the U.S. Open the way she did. I mean, she is a terrific player, really gets behind the ball beautifully. These are matches that are learning experiences when you don't quite come through. You have opportunities. You kind of figure out, okay, what can I do differently next time? And you just have more information that you can put into the computer against a different style of opponent, how to counter that, you know, how to play in certain moments that can be a little bit 
bit better the next time. So I think it's all upside for Emma Raducanu and, and certainly would be positive uh, if I were her team, if I were you know, giving her advice. Stay positive from you know, these matches here. All right. A lot of upside for the American men last night. We had a couple of them in action looking to advance here at Indian Wells. We start with Francis Tiafo. Haven't seen him in a while. Has struggled with an elbow injury this year. Facing fellow American Brandon Nakashima. And the previous two matches went the distance. Not this one, Chanda. That's yeah, not easy facing a, a fellow compatriot. And, you know, certainly these two guys, we've been looking at them as, you know, exciting young players. Tiafo, though, with a little more experience, a few more weapons in the tool bag and he used them beautifully in just the right moments in this match. Served big, nine aces over the course of the match, no double faults. He's got the movement, the athleticism around the court, and, and Nakashima he tried to kind of upset the rhythm of Francis Tiafo, but it just wasn't happening. Tiafo stayed focused from start to finish, knew he had to, and this was a very clean performance. Posted on Instagram, I love this game so much. Man, it feels good to be back. Hashtag Big Foe on the come up. How about the last match on Stadium One? Alexander Zverev playing American Tommy Paul. Paul beat him the last time they played and came in with the perfect game plan, Paul. Always tough to play a great player a second time after beating them, but I have to give Brad Stein a ton of credit. He's been working on Tommy Paul coming forward and right there putting pressure on this Zverev second serve. Gets a double fault to get back on serve in the third set. And look at Tommy Paul, 29 of 41 net approaches, got out of the lateral tennis. This kid is a terrific athlete. He and Brad are doing great work together. And if you beat a great player twice, it's not luck. Tommy Paul can play some tremendous tennis, and he did just that in the tiebreak. And uh, it is so much fun to watch when he gets going because he moves so well and he plays so well coming forward. It just brings a tear to my eye. The bad news is Taylor Fritz owes Mike Russell and Paul Anacone some money for breaking curfew. <laughs> He's supporting his guy. Biggest win of the career for Tommy Paul. Played a really high level today. Last time I played him, I think uh, I played well. I put pressure on him. I, I knew how I wanted to play him, so I came out and executed that well. There was obviously, uh, it got, it got kind of crazy there in the second set and uh, got lucky a little bit in the end, but played well when it came down to the breaker, so I'm pretty happy with my performance. Three quarterfinals, one semifinal already this season. You must be brimming with confidence right now. Uh, I, I've, I've been playing well and been practicing well, been working hard, so uh, definitely happy to be playing here. You know, I always play well here. Last year I played really well, so I don't know. Sometimes when you play well somewhere, you can come back and kind of carry that momentum. You watch TP on the court. I mean, he passes the eye test. It's a beautiful thing to see. What stood out to you about being able to beat Zverev last night? Uh, it, it just how complete his game is. Uh, Tommy Paul was playing in all the areas of the court, making the right moves, the timing coming into the net when he had Zverev stretched out. You know, he played aggressive tennis, but within himself. And when you can beat a top player for a second time, as Paul said, it's not luck. You have that ability to recreate a high level of tennis. That gives you even more confidence. It's been so impressive watching Tommy Paul last year and kind of continue that form into this year. Yeah, look, he's had some bumps in the
in the road, but after watching him and Brad work together, Brad Stein has been around for a long time, knows the game so well, and really knows Tommy well. Most importantly, there's great buy-in. Tommy Paul believes what Brad says, understands how it's going to help his tremendous athleticism in terms of execution, that style of play. And ever since Tommy won Stockholm, I think he's really gotten to a new level of self-belief. So when you see it execution-wise and you see it against a terrific player like this, it's time to start believing. He's just another one of those terrific Americans we're going to see a lot of. Yeah, when you're a coach, you can give the game plan, but the player's got to execute it and buy into it, and TP is doing that in spades right now, and it's proving with him. By the way, Taylor Fritz, Tommy Paul, playing some doubles together today. Little doubles. That's why he was allowed to break curfew, but he still has to send some, you know, <laughs> little Mike Russell, little Paul Anico, and little uh, Ven Pal. What's it called? Ven Pal? pal pay mo- Ven- Come on, Venmo? There you go. Yeah, our <laughs> accounts are waiting, Taylor Fritz. I see you there. Everyone sees you. You know our account numbers. Just send it on over. I, I love that, Chanda, that the young Americans are supporting each other late at night for him to be out there. Absolutely. I mean, and that is a, a great thing to see, and especially for a doubles partner to support yes. his boy. His yes. One for all, all well for done, one. Taylor Fritz. I'll cover whatever you got to give Anakin. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wow. Uh-oh. That's a big word. <laughs> Careful, Steve. <laughs> we got Chris Clary coming up on the way. We also have John Isner working a double yesterday, how he was able to sock it to a couple of opponents. Plus, we play the match point predictor game to help you win some great prizes. And Stefano Tsitsipas could be the latest pro to moonlight at Tennis Channel. You don't want to miss that. But first, a country known for the Northern Lights has produced a shooting star. Find out how Casper Ruud is making Norwegian tennis history. Don't go anywhere. All right, thanks, Abigail. Still to come, top of the hour. How about Gal Malfi's 13th appearance in the desert? He has beaten a world number one before. Can he pull off the upset against Daniil Medvedev? That's top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. I'm not very typical Norwegian. I didn't do a lot of things that my friends did when they grew up.
Welcome back. His first name is a friendly ghost, and his last name is the opposite of friendly. But Kasparud's game is certainly spooky. The 23-year-old is making history for Norwegian tennis and comes to the desert at a career high. We went home with the world number eight to learn about the family business. I'm not very typical Norwegian. I didn't do a lot of things that my friends did when they grew up. When you're from a big, big country, tennis country like the States, they have hundreds of young players and many, many big talents. It can be tough to get the help you need. I was very well taken care of by the Federation and my father got more involved when I turned, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. From a young age, they kind of accepted that I was a player and they kind of maybe listened more to me than other kids who were listening to their, their parents, which maybe didn't play tennis. That made it a lot easier to be like a father and, and a coach. I think my father is you know, a very calm guy. He doesn't stress too much about anything. Off the court, he's a very nice person, I would say. And he takes care of his mother and father. I'm very proud of him being a very polite kid, actually. Looking back, breaking into the top ten has been, you know, a dream of mine. Monte Carlo and Madrid were game-changer for me and gave me, obviously, confidence to keep going and thinking, you know, I can compete with the best players on the biggest stages in the world. Unfortunately, it didn't go as well as I hoped in the Roland Garros. That was, you know, a very tough and bitter loss in the end in the fifth set. But at the same time, it gives me motivation and builds up, you know, motivation to come back. The three weeks where I won back to back to back were so fun and something I will always remember. The third one was remarkable because it was like the third one in a row, but all of them tasted as good as the other ones. <laughs> After those three weeks, I was in contention to make the NITO ATP Finals in Turin. Every week mattered, every match mattered, and it was a very exciting fall. And I enjoy playing on clay. I just think that my game style suits the surface better because ball bounces up a little bit more and my spin shots are kind of heavier on the clay because it's tougher for the opponent. trying to evolve as a player and become a better player, so it's good for me to play on hard court. I think reaching a quarterfinal in Grand Slam, it's safe to say that that will be a goal. Everyone's dream is to win a Grand Slam, and uh, that's, of course, our dream also. I have seven players in front of me that are, you know, ridiculously good tennis players. Let's see in five years who has some slams and who doesn't, but if I have one, I will obviously be extremely happy. <laughs> now taking a look at the Zip Recruiter player resume for one Casper Root, first Norwegian to win an ATP Tour title, break into the top 10 and qualify for the ATP Finals. First player in a decade to win three titles in as many weeks. He is at a career high, 52 wins last year, third most on the Tour. Population in Norway is 5.4 million. That's 3 million less than New York City. And yet we see what Casper is doing. Went from outside the top 50 to inside the top 10. 
over the past two years. How has he done it, Paul? I'll tell you what, the uh, Casper's parents and Casper made some big sacrifices. They moved to Spain uh, uh, when Casper was a kid, and Christian, his dad, who was 39 in the world, played in the Sampras era I've known for a long time. He said we had to go there. It, it, we, he just needed the competition. So they moved there, and they left their daughter back home with the grandparents right around there. And so he went down there and just worked his backside off. This kid ticks every box. Huge forehand, great athlete. It's gotten better and better. And just listen to him talk. Composure, macro understanding. That's why he's gotten so good so fast. And uh, he will be the next other person to win the French Open. Yes, I said that, Steve. Okay. All right. Okay. So wait, like before Dominic team? The next yes. other person. Okay. He will be the next other person. Next other person. Yes. All right. He said it. <laughs> Shanda? We're making some big predictions <laughs> up here. I speak the truth. I'm committed to what so I So other I like means it. other than Rafa or Novak. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I like next it. Guy. Next no, I mean, he, he's such a, a solid guy, competing well. You know, the way he, he thinks and how he moves through these matches, he doesn't get frazzled. Uh, he doesn't panic. And I think that's been a big reason why he's been able to sustain this level of growth in his game. Five titles last year is incredible. I mean, he was one of the most solid guys week in and week out. He's especially difficult on the clay. Uh, and he's now making that tra- transition onto hard courts, you know, playing a bit more comfortably on that surface and I think that those parts of his game can continue to grow Uh, but certainly he is poised to be one of those guys who will be a contender uh, for major titles maybe in you know the next couple of years so I enjoy watching him play be interesting to see how he progresses here this week he's also one of the nicest guys but keep your eyes on his match today against Nick Kyrgios this is a rivalry last time they played each other Kyrgios got kicked out disqualified for his actions on the court they've been going back and forth on social media since so it could be a little feistiness on the court between Rude and Kyrgios. More TC Live on day six in the desert after a quick break. And welcome back to the desert. TC Live from Indian Wells, as Jim Courier called it last night. Our featured matches, a buffet of brilliance on tap today. We've got the world number one facing Gael Monfils. Former champions Rafa Nadal and Victoria Azarenka, plus three Americans going for upsets as Riley Opelka takes on Denis Shapovalov. Jensen Brooksby battles Stefano Tsitsipas, and Shelby Rogers plays Layla Fernandez. With that, we welcome you back inside Stadium One, our BNP Paribas desk, Steve Weissman, Paul Anacone, and our special guest today, New York Times writer, best-selling author, Chris Clary. Thanks for spending some time with us. Good to see you guys. All right, so it's day six, about halfway through this tournament, 12-day event. Uh, what's your biggest storyline so far? Well, I think, um, for me, I have to say it's, it's the Osaka story. It has to be the, the biggest storyline. I just think to see that environment the other night, situation she was in, appeared to be on the right side of the situation, coming into the season in Australia, seemed to be comfortable being back in the sport again, and then you could just see the distress on the court the, the other night. It was tough to watch, and I think that just globally, I can tell you from a New York Times perspective, the interest in that story and in her remains huge. Uh, Chris, you, you and I have been uh, friends for a long time from the hallways of Roland Garros back in the day, <laughs> and these young players now, you know, they've got to deal with social media and all the pressures and all the perceived expectation than what they do to themselves. For someone like Naomi, how does she balance that between being an, a global icon and yet trying to be able to stay away from the issues that are really difficult for her to manage. You know, what's unique to me about this, Paul, is that, um, is that she seemed to be thriving. 
I mean, this is a player, don't forget, who has handled Grand Slam pressure incredibly well. She's 4-0 in Grand Slam finals. We all watched the, the final in the U.S. Open in 18 when she beat Serena in the most pressurized environment possible with all that adversity. So she's proven she can handle it. And then suddenly, along the way here, when the environment changes uh, for her, she's been unable to cope the same way, which I think is really strange in a way to see that from the outside. So I, I would say she's almost developed an allergy to her environment. I can't recall something quite this... Uh, quite this strong and, and, um, and marked in the past in tennis. Obviously, Marty Fish had some difficulties after he became a top 10 player, kind of coping with the stress that he created from that. But I guess for Naomi, the change from a, kind of in the shadows to an incredible star in sport was a huge change. But I still am surprised to see somebody who could handle the, the tennis pressure so well have a hard time handling the environment now. Yeah, it's, it's so tricky. Um, these players have to deal with so much. And one player that hasn't developed an allergy to the environment <laughs> is Rafa Nadal. He just, he continues to amaze. We saw him come out, a, pull out a Harry Houdini act the other day uh, against Seb Korda. What, what's your take on Rafa and his passion and longevity when he's this hard on his body? How do you, how do you see the progression for him? I think this is sort of the ultimate expression of what he's been expressing since he was a teenager. I mean, he's been fighting his body for that long. I remember wrongly writing that his career was going to be relatively short but brilliant. Back then, I couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, it was Andre Agassi's great line about his body is writing checks that it can't cash, basically. Um, we all thought the same thing based on his style. And uh, I think it's, it's his dedication day to day. It's sort of the commitment to the craft that he established with his uncle and his family very early. And really, it's just that, and he expressed it again this week, it's his love of point-by-point challenge and competition. And that sort of micro-battle that he fights every day of his career and every match that he plays, I think, is sustaining him at this point. And it's beautiful to watch, frankly, and it must be familiar to you with Roger Federer in 2017, thinking back to that. (laughs) It's a very similar dynamic, right? Him coming back at exactly the same age. And, and fighting through this thing and, and, and excelling. And reaching the top yet again. Uh, it, it's amazing to see Rafa now at 21 major titles, so he passed Roger and Novak. Uh, your New York Times bestselling book, The Master on Roger Federer, released in paperback in May. What do you think that final chapter for Roger Federer is going to look like when he returns? You know, whatever it is, I don't think it's gonna, the, the final chapter we're going to want to look at. I think, I think in a lot of ways the arc of his career, and for me at least, is complete. Maybe he'll surprise us. It's been a bad play to sort of be skeptical about Roger Federer for the last 20 years. But, um, you know, for me, I think what matters is whether his final chapter is one he's at peace with. I think that's what he's chasing, Paul and Steve. I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, but I get the sense that he's looking for maybe one more sense of communion with his public, one more chance to express himself for an extended period. And I think it's similar to Rafa. I think he really loves the process. You know better than I do, but my sense is that he loves the process of what he's doing, and he loves that, uh, the role that he plays in the game, and he's not, not done yet in his head. It's such a great look. Everyone's got to go out and get the book. I've got to say thank you. I loved it. Uh, it was a, it's a great story, and it's, of course, well-written. Um, and you touch on so many good points, and this point in particular about Raja and, and, and Rafa. What I like to say is they get to the same point with very different personalities insofar mm-hmm. as they love the game. They love to just compete. They're not afraid to win or lose. And so talking about Roger and Rafa, I think it's very similar, don't you? And, and they just they want to be out on the court. And Roger's last chapter is probably going to be something that isn't going to be as glorious as his career has been. But he loves the game, and he's good with that. Do you think that's the ultimate goal for all of these players? Can that help Naomi? Can that help Rafa continue? Is that a good goal to try to resonate with? 
Well, I, what's, what's the line? You know, the uh, antidote to melancholy is, uh, is industry in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. If you're not feeling great, get into your process. It works for all of us in all of our lives and right. our professions. And I think it works for tennis players, especially because you always have another chance the next week or the next tournament. But your point about Rafa and Roger is really interesting because I have to say, I thought I'd kind of explored it all as a daily journalist for a long time. But doing the book, when you got into their lives and their process, the more you examined it, they have so much in common just in terms of the way that their lives have played out the mentors that they've had in their lives, their approach to the game. So I love a process. I think that's what has helped them last and, and excel for so long, really. That's the key. Talked about Roger. Talked about Rafa. How about Novak? Obviously was in the draw, could not get into the country. How do you think 2022 plays out for Novak Djokovic? Well, it's looking like it's going to play out a little differently than we thought in Australia right now. It looks, looks like uh, the pandemic is loosening its grip around the world in a lot of different places. Obviously, France was out of the picture, and now it's back in again. Um, the U.S. Open's out right now because of CDC rules, but I have to have a feeling the way things are going in our country that the, the rules will be relaxed by then. So I think it may be a, a few more swings than we would have thought possible. However, you've got a lot of guys right now who have raised their game, who have beaten him under pressure now, especially you know, with Medvedev having done so, Nadal in great form. But I do wonder how the Russian-Ukraine war is going to play out for the Russian players as the season goes on and how, how that will weigh on the guys who are normally ready to take over, Medvedevs and the Rublevs, people like that. It may be a psychologically complicated for them to be at their best throughout the year. All right, Chris. Well, thanks for spending some time with us here on TC Live. The book, The Master, Get released it. in paperback in May. Chris Clare of the New York Times. Enjoy the rest of the tournament, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, talked about Daniil Medvedev. He is coming up first on here. Stadium One taking on Gael Monfils. That's a blockbuster. 2 p.m. Eastern. Don't go anywhere. Anika and Ruben Weissman back on TC Live with you every day at 1 p.m. Eastern, leading you up to first ball here at Indian Wells. The night session gets underway at 9 p.m. Eastern, and then we've got you covered 24-7. Encore coverage leading up to Tennis Channel Live the very next day. Oh, and Sam Query played the Dallas Open. His family stayed at John Isner's house. Some friendly fire on the court yesterday, and it came down to tie breaks, Paul. It sure did. There's never much between these guys. Sam Corey leads a head-to-head, 5-4 to four going into this match, and there were missiles being launched on both sides. A lot of big serving. John Isner just a little bit more solid on the big points. Closed out the first set. Second set again, a tug-of-war. They traded breaks, these guys did. That overhead gets back, and a little drop volley. Good job from Sam to get there. But I'll tell you what, John Isner starting to feel comfortable confident where he is in his life in the stage of his career no one likes to play him and he is not fun in the desert where the ball bounces and the court grips it so heck of an effort from john gonna set up a remake of the movie twins against diego schwartzman next meantime isner said after that singles win he was excited to take the double sport with jack sock against the special case Kyrgios and Koganakis. Yeah, this was a big hitting, big men's match, and it's not easy to get the ball around John Isner. That allowed Isner Sock to take that first set. Just slim margins over the course of this match at times. It came down to a tie break in the second set, but we saw so many moves by Jack Sock, who is one of the best doubles players in the world. It just seems to come so easily to him. Good start in the tie break. They got the early mini break, and they were able, Sock and Isner, to relax and just swing away. And just not many answers that Kokonakis and Kyrgios had. They've been fun to watch, the Australian Open men's doubles champions, the Aussies, but the Americans had the last word 
in the doubles matchup. Saved all seven break points they faced. Sock and Isner, Sisner they call him. They won this title back in 2018, looking for their third Masters 1000 trophy. They are moving on to take on the Acapulco champs, Feliciano Lopez and Stefano Tsitsipas. But, Paul, there is nothing like doubles in the desert. The single stars come out to play. I'll tell you what is, these draws get loaded. Everyone wants to play the doubles. Everyone loves to be out here. There's a little gap a couple days before Miami starts, so a lot of the top players want to play the extra tennis as well. And uh, I I think that it just makes for so many great matches, so many compelling matches. And the uh, Isner match last night with uh, Kyrgios and Kokonakis is just one of them. Yeah, it's not as as difficult to do double duty here. This right. pretty nice setting, conditions are always you know pretty even, um, you know not too hot. And I think for a lot of players, just getting those extra reps under pressure, making the transition um, to hard courts for some of them, it, it's beneficial to stay out on the doubles court, get some wins, have some fun um, as well, and, and get ready for the rest of the season. Have a hard practice with your coach, Paul Anacone, or play some dubs <laughs> with your best friend, Tommy Paul. What are there you doing? You What's better than that, Steve? Probably huh? playing dubs. You're going to play dubs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the Tennis.com Matchpoint Predictor game. Looking forward to this. Yes, you can win some great prizes. VIP trip to next year's BNP Paribas. Open tickets, the whole deal. you got to answer a series of questions on Tennis.com slash play. Who will be the men's champ? Who will be the women's champ? How many American men or women will make the quarterfinals? Will the champion be left-handed? Or will there be a singles match with more than 35 and a half games? Janda, which question do you like the most and what's the answer to it? I mean, these are always so tough. Steve. Don't walk on the pole and I know, fence, Chanda. I know. Come I mean, on, commit. You know, I was looking, Paul, at number five. All right. Men's or women's champion be left-handed. We've got a few options in each draw, I uh-huh. think, still left. We've got Nadal, Shapovalov. Uh, Cam Nori, right? Yeah, that's, Still? Yep. Right? the We've defending champion. The defending champion. <laughs> I mean, he very well could be, the champion very well could be left-handed when you look at, you know, just two of those um, out of the bunch. So I'd probably pick that one. Or how many American women will reach the quarterfinals? Let's say all of them that are left. Okay. Two. Two. <laughs> We're going two. Paul? Uh, three American men will reach the, will reach the quarterfinals. And uh, will the men's or women's champion be left-handed? Yes. Okay, great. That's, that's a yes or no question. You right? are not on the fence today. No? I like it. I'm going right-handed for both, Steve. <laughs> now, wow. that, how about that last question? I mean, if Isner's playing, three tiebreaks, done. Nah. I can't count that high I right now. So. What, is, what does that have to be? <laughs> 13 times three. Yeah. Well, that's over it. So, I know, seven, but six, six, seven, I don't seven, see six. it happening. Not I don't gonna see happen. that, no. You don't see that nope. happening. No. Okay, I no. see it happening. We'll see. <laughs> uh, use that QR code that you can see on your screen, Grand Prize Trip, VIP Package, hang out with Paul and Chanda. Here at Indian Wells next year, you get the tickets, you get the accommodations, you get the flights, the whole deal. And by the way, even if you don't win, you still get a really sweet Tennis Channel swag bag. And Steve will take you to Nobu. And, well, no, (laughs) no, that's that's not not a part of the deal. But I will pay for Taylor Fritz's whatever he's got to get you. Uh, We've got the full Indian Wells experience, five different ways to catch this great event from the desert. Leading up to first ball, Medvedev Malfis, can you believe it? Just about 10, 15 minutes away. Back on TC Live, SoCal native Taylor Fritz brimming with confidence. Made the semifinals here in October. And with some stellar coaching from Paul, had no issues Come yesterday. Come on, Steve. Mike Russell gave him some words of wisdom, and he went out there and fuego. 
just crushing the ball. The good news for Taylor is he served really poorly. That's actually not good news, but his reaction was great. And that's one of the differences in becoming a great player. When a part of your game is a little bit off, you still find a way to play the other parts of your game at a high level. And that's exactly what Taylor Fritz did. He has put in some hard yards with David Nankin over the years and Mike Russell now. Wolfgang Oswald keeping that body healthy. And I even got to sprint out there and get all sweaty and watch. He did, and then you came right back here. It was a great effort. And interviewed Taylor after the match. Says his goal is to move into the top ten this year. That kind of performance, we think it'll happen. Uh, the highest remaining seed on the women's side, Iga Sviantek, needing a comeback against Clara Tossin. Chanda. She had a tough task. Iga Sviantek Tossin, a big hitter. And down the stretch in the first set, just held her ground, held her nerve, and kept swinging away. She was able to get a great start in the tiebreak Tossin and just didn't doubt her game. Got a couple of mistakes from Sviantek when she needed it. But the second set, a complete turnaround for Sviantek got the early break and just raised her level and that is the mark of a real champion already a grand slam champion Sviantek playing more consistently at the highest levels and got a lot of confidence after taking that second set into the third continued with that similar momentum she started serving better taking care of business on her second serves that helped her first and then the returns just stayed aggressive over the course of this match helped her close it out pretty easily in the third set so a nice win for Iga Sviantek. Fans on Tennis.com they have said she is the favorite to win the title here seventh straight win undefeated at 1000 events this season just won Doha last month so Iga Sviantek moving on meantime the Canadian Felix Oje Aliasim taking on Botik van de Zanschulp. This was a battle, Paul. Oh, this was great tennis. And VDZ is one of the best athletes out there. A tremendous mover, can play all areas of the court. Really good feel, and he played some super defense. Got off to a good lead in this match. Felix served for the second set, got broken, then saved three match points, got into the tiebreak, and won it. But Van de Zanzel, great job just getting the... Composure back, Steve. Some good volley, some great movement. He is a lot of fun to watch. That uh, that is a huge win for him. Before last year's U.S. Open, he had never been to the United States before. Makes the quarterfinals in New York. Now he's beaten a top ten player in the California desert. Big stuff for Botic. Some other scores from yesterday. Andre Rublev moving on. Matteo Berrettini needing three sets against Holger Rune. Daria Kazakina goes out to Angie Kerber. And how about Harriet Dart, the qualifier from Great Britain? So Emma is out, but Harriet Dart is moving on. And Harriet Dart, before coming to the desert, lost in an ITF event in Arcadia, California, to Liv Havdi, a 16-year-old sophomore from McKinney, Texas. Now, Liv Havdi is a baller, big-time college recruit, but that's who Harriet Dart lost to, and now she's qualified here and has moved on. Amazing stuff. You're holding on to old stuff, Steve. Ooh. She's a different player now this week. Come on. I, I guess step so. Forward, step forward. She's, 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 look, no, she's, she's doing good. great. She's hits the ball extremely big. And guess what the bad news is, guys? Our good friend Jason Goodall is going to come in here today with a big smile on his face. He's not going to want to talk about Emma. Watch him talk about Harriet Dart all <laughs> afternoon with a big smile. He'll all do it. about Harriet. He will do that to us. I promise you. you I'm sure so? he will. Uh, Liv's feeling good in Texas right now. She's like, listen, I, I just beat Harriet Dart. Go, getting <laughs> ready work. for my junior year of high that school. <laughs> That's not T- bad. Time for the social net. <laughs> Look. Check out Ste- Stefano Sitsipas. You know he loves 
to vlog, do videos, mm-hmm. take photos. That's in our Tennis Channel studio in Santa Monica, California. That's Got amazing. So he came by for a visit, did a little work as well, and yeah. was set this, designer. Was this all free? I mean, like set this, yeah, was, this was on the house, much. right? Like yeah. all this extra work he did. I don't know, Bob. Was it free? <laughs> Pancakes. Pancakes. He got pancakes and he got to do the set for his artistic side. That's good for him, right? Set designing, don't you think, guys? I think so, yeah. He's very into all of these different areas and I kind of like it. I'm impressed by it. We need to get him on this set. We do. If, we if do. he wins today, well, it's going to be a tough test because he's got tough Jensen test. Brooksby. Jensen Brooksby. Uh, this is an upset special gang. that everyone's picking. Are you picking it? I, I very well could be. I mean, with the way Brooksby has been playing, this is a huge opportunity. I think he's going to go out there, relax. Sitsipas, he's had to battle a little bit. He's gotten through uh, some really tight situations, just barely gotten through. But um, he's got a lot of confidence, Sitsipas, that he's done it before. So this is a little bit of a toss-up, but I could see the upset. Did she make a call or not? I not could, really. I could see the upset. Yeah. See I'm going for the upset. I could see it. I'm going to be committed again. I've turned over a new leaf, Steve. <laughs> with, with, after my hot takes yesterday, you're I'm just going all in. New, Jensen Taking... Brooksby is going to win this match tonight. Okay. This is a guy uh, outside the that. top 250 February of last year. Yeah. Now a career high. He could barely lose. Brooksby over Sitsipas. The, the stamp of approval. going to be a lot Atlantic of fun. A lot like of it. fun. I'm uh, going with it. The, the Williams sisters are not here, but but they are doing big things on red carpets. Look at wow, Venus and Serena. Beautiful. Critics' Dress. Choice Awards. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Love seeing them together. Enjoying this moment. In King, the movie King Richard was phenomenal. Yeah. Will Smith did a great job as Richard. And, you know, I love seeing the girls out here supporting and just enjoying all the fanfare. Yeah, Will Smith won for for Best Actor, Critics' Critics Choice Awards. Uh, They're doing the whole award season. Next up is the big one. The 27th is the Oscars, the Academy Awards. You think they're going to Is it going to happen? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's going to happen. Tough to knock Will Smith. That man knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yes. He was Richard. Like, I literally thought, (gasps) is that Richard? (laughs) Okay, no, it's Will Smith. (laughs) That's that's good acting, right? Phenomenal. All right. Uh, the Williams is winning when they're not even at Indian Wells. It's amazing. On our regional sports networks and T2, starting at the top of the hour, Maria Sakari, Petra Kvitova, followed by Vondrosova and Contivate, Leif Shires, Jan Michael Gamble have you covered there. We will break down all the big matchups on Tennis Channel right after this. Just a couple minutes away from first ball on day six at the BNP Paribas Open Tennis Paradise has never looked this good. Speaking of hot, how about our hot shot from yesterday? Paul, take us through it. I'll tell you what, count on Grigor Dimitrov. This man is a highlight reel, one of the best athletes on tour, can do so many things against a great counterpuncher. How about a triple digits backhand, Steve? Triple digits, folks, 100 miles per hour. That is unbelievable for a one-hander, just absolutely unloads. This guy is so much fun to watch. Great athlete. Just a few minutes later, how about the running slap shot for him? That's only 91 miles an hour, but that makes the hot shot of the day. Love Grigor Dimitrov, love his passion, his work ethic, and he has a ton of fun out there. 
and uh, got the W in this match. This guy is fun to watch. Made the semifinals here last year, so uh, Gregor loves it in California. Taking a look at our featured matches today, Medvedev Malfis kicks it off momentarily. Nadal follows that. We've got Riley Opelka against Shapovalov. Brooksby, Sitsipas, Paul cementing the upset there. And then Shelby Rogers facing Leila Fernandez for the second straight time at Indian Wells. Let's talk about that second matchup. Rafa Nadal, Dan Evans. We know Nadal, 16-0 this year. Best start to his career. He's also 2-0 against Dan Evans. So what happens today? I think you've got to favor uh, Rafa Nadal just in terms of the styles. Obviously, you know, these conditions he loves. He's won here before. He can work his points so beautifully. Evans, you know, tries to be aggressive. That can upset, you know, any opponent and create a little havoc out there. But I just don't see Rafa Nadal having too many issues with that style of play. I think he'll love having a target. Maybe he'll have some shorter points. I mean, he had to go to battle uh, against Korda in his first match. Nadal did. And, you know, we kind of wondered how he recovered from that match. Looked like he was practicing pretty well, Paul, but you got to go with Rafa Nadal. Yeah, it's, it's up to Rafa. Dan Evans can try to break the rhythm and come forward. Got to get to the net lock and try to find a way to attack the Nadal serve like uh, uh, Seb Korda did, but it's about Rafa today. If he's fit and he's feeling good in these conditions, uh, 86% chance Rafa wins this match. Hey, all right. That's right. 14%. Not bad for Dan Evans. It's on my weather app. <laughs> I'm going to go with 89.5. 89? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Paul, you're a little low. There. You're a little low on that. Medvedev facing backwards in the cart. Malfis going forwards. This is important, Steve, because no, Medvedev. We, we, we blew this out no, of the No, no, but, but he faced forward in his first match, oh. Medvedev. So he's switching it up so that he doesn't have, you know, any, you know, sort of weird superstitions that's going great. on. I like so that. That's I like important. that. Okay. Well, if, if he loses, he's going to be upset that he switched it up he's going to you know what happened last time stick with what works stick with what works for shelby rogers it has worked both times she has faced layla fernandez including in october here Mm -hmm. fernandez obviously the higher ranked the higher seated player is shelby rogers going to pull off the upset paul if shelby's power game is in good uh force she will if she's error prone today she won't Layla's such a great competitor. What an effort she put forth the other night against Anna Samova. Saved six match points. Love Fernandez's style, her grit, and the leftiness. If she's on and the feet were going and Shelby's off a little bit, tough day for Shelby. Yeah, I think Fernandez, she's gotten out of so many jams. She's saved match points multiple times times this year. We saw Shelby Rogers kind of get through a sticky situation as yeah. well. Um, you know, her first match, I believe it was uh, at this event. And so both players are playing with confidence, but it's going to be on Shelby Rogers' racket. I mean, she has such big weapons, and she hit beautifully to get through Ostapenko. If she's got that kind of form, you know, she'll dictate, but... Leila Fernandez, she's tough. She is. She's so tough. But Anna Samova w- was beating her. I mean, listen, yeah. they, they didn't play a third set. I would have given that to Anna Samova. Shelby plays kind of like Amanda. So I think Rodgers could come into this one with a lot of confidence to take out Leila Fernandez for, once again, the third time. The player's getting ready to walk out on the court. Paul Anacone, he's got to run over to the booth and join Brad Haber. You're calling the first match, Paul. Uh, I am? Yeah, you've got Medvedev, Malfis. So, yeah, take off the suit, take out the earpiece. <laughs> Chanda and I have you covered from yeah, here. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Just, just <laughs> cut off this por- portion of the desk here. Don't, don't mind that. There they are. La Malf about to get introduced. Ranked as high as number six in the world in 2016. Ladies and gentlemen from France, Gael Monfils. 
15th time in the desert for Gael Mulface. But today, a tall task in more ways than one. The six foot six world number one, Daniil Medvedev. Reigning U.S. Open champion and the number one player in the world, Daniil Medvedev. Thanks for watching TC Live. Myself and Chanda will be on the desk all day long with interviews and updates. Enjoy the tennis on day six. When we come back, Brett Haber, Paul Anacone have the call. Medvedev and Malfice on Stadium One.